Good morning. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Germantown Presbyterian Church. Welcome this morning to our worship service, one and all. A very special welcome if you're visiting with us today. We're delighted you're here. We certainly hope that everybody feels very much at home here at Germantown Presbyterian Church. So welcome to all visitors. We invite everybody to fill in the friendship pad that's on the inside aisle of each pew, the maroon pad, if you would fill that in. And just mark your attendance with us, put your name down. And if you are visiting and you'd like to know more about the church, then you can indicate by checking one of those boxes there. And we would be so happy to contact you and to be in touch with you personally and to welcome you to GPC. So welcome indeed, one and all. A few things to announce before we get uh, started in our worship service. One is, of course, today is a communion Sunday. And so um, if you didn't receive your communion elements on the way into the sanctuary, they're on the table there in the center of the narthex, and you can pick up your, uh, the uh, cracker and the grape for our communion elements, and we look forward to celebrating communion in just a few minutes. So, uh, yes, it has happened again, where we have had a water discharge and a water event downstairs in the children's wing late Thursday night. Uh, there are very technically smart people involved who can explain it a lot better than I can, but something about a compression and a lack of air pressure and something else about water and something else about the system, and so that's what happened Thursday. And so right now, for at least a little while, our children's wing is out of commission for uh, at least uh, certainly this next week, and then we'll reassess uh, in this coming week exactly what will need to be done down there. Um, uh, Somebody was reminding me of the old hee-haw song, remember? Uh, Gloom, despair, agony on me, deep, dark depression, excessive misery. If it weren't for bad luck, I wouldn't have any luck at all. So maybe we sort of feel like that with uh, the children's wing and the water system. But, however, um, in, in the mix of all of that, what a phenomenal team that sprang forth again to, to come up here quickly, some in the off wee hours, and to help uh, abate and assess and to um, do some cleanup and then also to do fire watch and just to to volunteer. The, the great thing about our church is that as soon as you put out a plea for help or assistance, um, you just get, <laughs> I was about to say flooded, you get <laughs> immersed, you get uh, overwhelmed with uh, lots of people who want to help. So um, we're grateful for Patty Bradford right back there and uh, I mean, I could look around the sanctuary and just see people who came up in the off hours, David and uh, um, Dan Young, and uh, I, I don't have a list in front of me because there's just too many to name. So thank you to everybody who came up and who helped, and uh, um, we, we look forward to getting this fixed and repaired as soon as possible. So thank you for your patience. Also, if your Sunday school class was displaced a little bit for the children down the preschool wing, and then of course... We've had to relocate some of our weekday preschool up to the adult Sunday school wing, which we've done. And so thank you for, for your patience and flexibility. And um, we will uh, look forward to having good announcements soon about how soon and how quick we can take care of Blair's children's area. Fresh. This time we, only gave, we gave you a month to be on the job before um, causing you to have to uh, work hard on that. So... Thank you, thank you, thank you, and uh, again, we're looking for explanations and understandings, and there's a crack crew who are on top of it working with uh, technicians and contractors trying to figure it all out, so thank you. We will have our children's worship works this afternoon, and it'll be uh, at 4.30, it will be in here instead of downstairs, so please bring your children to that for um, uh, that great time of music, and that will be in here at 4.30. And then you'll see in your bulletin where you can sign up for Room in the Inn, and that's next Friday night. They've asked us to switch to a Friday night where they need more help, and so you can sign up for that. Whether that's uh, some help and support beforehand or during, please sign up for Room in the Inn for next Friday night. And then don't forget about the youth auction coming March 6th, the month from tonight. We'll be in the activity center with a great meal and uh, a really fun event, lots of great stuff. You can buy tickets online for that, and then starting next week, you can buy tickets in the narthex between the services or after the service, and we'll enjoy a great youth auction together on March the 6th. Those are all of our announcements. 
we do uh, one more. I think, uh, Susie, you wanted me to announce about the, re, the resetting of the Guess Who's Coming to Dinner, not last night, not the 5th, but to the 19th of this month, February the 19th. Okay, thank you. Those are all of our announcements. Now let us prepare our hearts and minds to worship God. Good morning. God calls us to rejoice as we worship. God invites us into a deeper faith and more obedient trust. Please stand with me and join me in our call to worship. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts. My heart and my flesh sing for joy to the living God. For the Lord is a sum of for the Lord God is a sun and shield. He bestows favor and honor.
God offers us new life through Jesus Christ. Through Christ, we have forgiveness and love. Let us confess our sin and pray for God's mercy. Lord, have mercy on the sins we commit in private, on the sins we commit through greed, on the sins we don't know we commit, on the sins we commit with our eyes, on the sins we commit with our mouths, on the sins we know we callously don't care what we commit. Lord, please forgive our sinful lives and have mercy on us for the sake of Christ our Lord, whose grace is greater than our sin. We pray in the name of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. God has mercy on us, and God forgives our sins and no longer holds them against us. Let us rejoice in God's goodness. grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. As our children come forward, I invite you to greet one another with the peace of Christ. Thank you, Jim. Good morning. How are y'all? Good morning. Okay, okay. Good morning, friends. How are you? Good. So for those of you who don't know me, I'm Miss Blair. I'm the Director of Children's Ministry. Uh, Today, I just want to start by asking, just keep in mind, what is the best gift you've ever received, either for birthday or Christmas? gift card. (laughs) Your family. Jesus is always the best gift. Oh, a new Fitbit watch. Nice. It broke, Bo. Oh, well, maybe you'll get a new one. (laughs) All right, so I'm going to open my Bible today. We're looking at Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. Because in today's story, we hear that Peter, James, and John received three really big gifts. And each time they received the gift, it was even better than the gift they had just received. The first gift Peter, James, and John received in today's story was the honor of Jesus sitting in their boat while he taught the crowd. Rabbis, also known as teachers, in Jesus' time were very important people to help out a rabbi would have been a big deal for Peter, James, and John. The second gift Peter, James, and John received was the large amount of fish that Jesus helped them catch. That amount of fish would have sold for a lot of money. The gift was so big that Peter bowed down to Jesus after receiving it. But Jesus wasn't done yet. There was still more gift that Jesus had to give. That third gift that Jesus gave in today's story was when Jesus invited Peter, James, and John to be his disciples and follow him. Jesus' gift of inviting Peter, James, and John to be his disciples was the biggest, best, and most wonderful gift because that's Jesus' way of saying, I can show you how to live life as I do. And what's exciting about this biggest gift from Jesus is that we can receive that gift too. Just like Jesus, Peter, just 
Just like Jesus invited Peter, James, and John to follow him and learn how to do what he did, we are invited to follow Jesus and learn how to be just like him. The very best thing about this gift is that more, the more we learn from Jesus how to receive God's love, healing, and forgiveness, the more love and healing and forgiveness we have to share with others, which makes Jesus' best gift for today even better because when it is fully received, Jesus' invitation really is a gift that keeps on giving. And that's the good news for today. Let's pray. Repeat after me. Dear God, thank you for Jesus who shows us how to receive your gift of love, healing, and forgiveness so that we can then share with others your gift of love, healing, and forgiveness. Amen. Thank you.
saw two boats there at the shore of the lake, and the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. So he got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and then he asked Simon to put out a little way from the shore. And then Jesus sat down and taught the crowd. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep water and let the nets down for a catch. And Simon answered, um, Master... We've been working all night long, and we haven't caught anything. But if you say so, I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they caught so many fish that their nets were beginning to break, so they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats, so that then both began to sink. And Simon Peter saw it. He fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. For he, he and all who were with him were amazed at the catch of fish that they had taken, and so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. Then Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid, for now on you will be catching people. And when they had brought their boats to the shore, they left everything and followed him. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. In my mind, I can just picture the crowd pressing in on Jesus. Now, it was a very different kind of pressing in. It wasn't an aggressive pressing in that we saw last week when they took Jesus from the synagogue and they took him up and they wanted to throw him off the cliff. Not that kind of pressing in on Jesus, but more of a, of a curiosity. And they were eager. They were leaning forward. You can just see them sort of moving forward a couple of feet at a time just to hear better. Because what the speaker was saying was, was fascinating. It was more than fascinating. It was powerful and it spoke to the heart. They heard Jesus speaking things like nobody else had ever spoken. Jesus was, says Luke, he was, he was telling them the word of God, which encompasses a lot. In a lot of places, when you look at what the word of God means and what it means when Jesus preaches the word of God, it's usually something about all creation and the creation's creator. Usually the word of God contains words of forgiveness and words of hope. There are words of healing that Jesus exhibits there. It's words about how to live an authentic and meaningful life. Jesus preaches the word of God and it makes everybody stop and listen because it goes through their ears down into their hearts. And that's what Jesus is doing here on this occasion. Think about the crowd that was out there. The crowd not unlike this crowd in here this morning. People who are curious. People who want to know God better. People trying to make a living. People trying to raise a family. There were some people there who were hurt physically. People who were hurt spiritually. Hurt mentally. They all flocked to him 
to hear this word, this good news that he was preaching. And the more people came, the more they pushed toward him until finally he felt his heels and his feet getting wet in the lake. And so he said, okay, let's change this. He saw a fisherman named Simon, and he saw these boats there. So he got into a boat. He got into Simon's boat, Simon Peter. And what starts here is a series of three requests, three asks that Jesus has toward Peter. Three different asks where Peter has a choice to make. What will he do in response to these requests? And what's fascinating is that these three asks demonstrate a progression of faith, a progression of trust for Peter, and I think it's also the same progression of faith and trust for us in our own discipleship of Christ. So there's a first ask that comes. Jesus climbs into Peter's boat and asks him to put away from the shore out into the shallow water. You know, you notice that Jesus didn't ask Peter's permission if he could climb into his boat and climb into his life. Jesus just did it. It was a shallow hold vessel. This boat was. It sort of looked like a canoe, only a good bit wider and a little bit longer. He just climbs in and he says to Peter, go a few feet away from the shore into the shallow water to give him a little space from the crowd. Now this is the first ask and it's right here. Right in this moment, Peter has a choice to make. He has a decision to make, doesn't he? I mean, you know what he wanted to say? You know what he wanted to say, I think, was... No, get out of my boat. I've been on this lake all night long. We've been fishing all night long, totally frustrated. We haven't caught anything. I'm going to go wash my nets, go home, eat some breakfast, and go to sleep. No, could have been an immediate response to Jesus. It's really interesting in our world, you, you look at the different reactions that people have to conversations about faith or about Jesus or about God or just the whole topic of spirituality in general, and for so many people there is this instant reaction of, no, get away from me. This instant reaction, a reflexive reaction just to dismiss it, deny it, blow it off, to walk away. And you can imagine the different reasons why some people just want to quickly dismiss any talk about faith. Maybe it's Maybe it's some bias they have based on, on how they grew up or, or some negative experience of, of church that they might have had. Maybe they are just, in our now fast-paced world, maybe they're just tired. Maybe people are like tired and they've been working hard and there are all kinds of tiredness and exhaustion. We've been reading a lot about that in the last several weeks and months. Lots of responsibilities. Also in our world now, we all know this, wherever you turn, there's so many entertainment possibilities. From sports to things you can now watch to concerts to all these things that you could go to eight nights a week if you wanted to. There's so much to offer in our culture. All kinds of entertainment, especially in all the devices we have. It is hard for me to listen for Jesus when I am binge-watching Yellowstone, which I have done, maybe some of you have as well, or when you're playing Wordle and trying to solve that puzzle, it's hard to do that sometimes. There's so many different opportunities, entertainments, distractions, not to mention just work and problems, life, kids' activities, taking care of other people. Sometimes in the middle of life, you don't even realize who has climbed into your boat and is right there next to you, and it's Jesus. Coming into your life in the middle of everything else, climbing into your life, he's right in front of you, and he is nudging you to move away from the shore a little bit, just into the shallow water. So, Peter, Peter, rather than reject this, Peter has this ask, and so he decides to trust Jesus a little bit. He leaves the land, pushes that boat out into the knee-deep shallow water. He goes out there. And then he is closer than anybody else to listening to Peter talk about creation and its creator and about justice and holiness and righteousness and this life that's worth living. He is closer than anybody watching this rabbi sit down like rabbis did in order to teach about life and about God. I mean, it is shallow water, but Jesus is still talking about some pretty pr profound, deep subjects. 
Now, Luke doesn't tell us exactly what Jesus preached on this occasion, but we know Jesus preached on other occasions. And in fact, right after this chapter, in chapter 6 of Luke, is the Sermon on the Plain. And a lot of it echoes the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew. But it's where Jesus is going to go through and talk about so many things that are essential to understanding who we are and who God is and how we should live. In this sermon that comes just after this, Jesus will talk about what are your ultimate priorities? I mean, what matters most to you? Is it you and yourself and your possessions? Or is God ultimate in your life? He lays that down on the line for them. He talks about the kingdom of God. He talks about who's invited in to the kingdom of God and who is blessed by God. And then he talks about those who are hungry, those who are poor, those who are afflicted. That, that doesn't mean you're cursed by God if you're poor, hungry, and afflicted. No, God is reaching out to you as much as anybody else. Please come into the kingdom if you're facing afflictions. Jesus is going to go on. He's going to talk about people who are judgmental, people who live arrogantly as if there's no God. He heals people there in this Sermon on the Plain. He talks with his followers about radical love. This kind of love that we all know is an enemy kind of love where you would rather care for and love those who are your enemies instead of trying to harm them or damage them. Jesus talks about hypocrisy. He talks about not judging others. He talks about how almost all of us have higher standards for other people than we actually live by ourselves. He talks about that. So he does all of that in this sermon in chapter 6. So we have every reason to believe that wherever Jesus went and taught and preached, that he had these types of lessons, these life lessons, these soul-piercing lessons that he preached in place after place. So that's what he teaches and preaches there in the shallow water. And the truth of this is that a lot of people, a lot of people who encounter Jesus never make it out of the shallow water. And there are a lot of times in my own life when I, I prefer the shallow water. Why is that? Because in the shallow water, I am still safe. I can still get out of that boat. I can still stand up. I'm still in control. I'm still safe. I can hear Jesus teach there in the shallow water if I were Peter, and I can still jump out of that boat and go back to the shore and back to work and back to family, back online, back to anything else you want. Things you hear about Jesus say in that boat, once you go back and you leave the shallow water, they are quickly forgotten if you leave that shallow water experience. So I hope you understand what I mean when I say this, that coming to church is usually a shallow water experience most of the time. I mean, it is, don't get me wrong, it is good. I am glad that you were here. Glad that you were here. want all of us to be here. We have great fellowship. We share great love. We hear phenomenal music. We have good worship. It is essential to be here week in and week out long term for good discipleship and good faithfulness. But we're not usually in deep water in here very much. And I realize the irony of saying that <laughs> at this point in this moment, that uh, all references to water are herefore banished ever on the GPC campus. But we're never in deep water, usually as a group. I mean, even in a Sunday school class or in worship, that's hard to do because usually going into deep water is something you have to do alone. It's something that Peter had to do alone. It's something that we have to do alone with God. So we'll have great fellowship and we'll be part of the crowd while we're here in the shallow water listening to Jesus' teachings and it's all essential. But at some point, Jesus will, like he did for Peter, he will call you to a kind of trust that forces you out into the deep water. Away from where you can stand up under your own power. And this is what this ask is all about, this second ask. Trust me, said Jesus, trust me, go out into the deep water do what I say and trust me. Peter has to make a choice. And he sort of responds, and you can hear it half-heartedly. He kind of raises his eyebrows and says, Sir, we have toiled all night long fishing out there in the deep water, and we have caught nothing. In other words, um, Jesus, I know what I'm doing. 
I'm kind of an expert at this. I've been doing this all my life, which Peter had. He'd been fishing in that lake all his life. What you're saying doesn't make any sense. Peter has another decision to make at this point. Does he trust Jesus enough? Has he heard enough there in the shallow water to be willing to follow Jesus and to trust him to go out to the deep water? Remember, he's tired. He wants to go home. And what Jesus is asking him to do makes no sense. It is at least unnecessarily inconvenient, and at worst, it is just something he does not want to go through and do. There's nothing to be gained, he thinks, by trusting Jesus in this instance. And honestly, that's where it stops for a lot of people. That's where it stops for a lot of people. They like what Jesus says in the shallow water. His teachings make sense. They sound good. They do sort of pierce to the heart. But trusting Jesus to go out where you're not in control anymore and where you're in the deep water and there is more danger, that's illogical and it's too much trust for a lot of people. But Jesus, but Peter, with Jesus, decides that in spite of it all, he's maybe heard enough to do what Jesus says. So he climbs in and, and maneuvers that boat out to the deeper waters and he puts down the nets. Now, you've probably had some experience like this in your life. Maybe only once, maybe a handful of times. You've had some experience that was beyond words, that maybe was beyond a logical explanation, some type of faith event where it happened, where you trust Jesus to go into the deeper water, and even if it doesn't make sense, when you're out there, the most life-changing things can happen. It's amazing. Maybe it, means, maybe it means trusting God through some kind of devastating illness. It might mean changing jobs because your current job makes you compromise on your integrity all the time and you just feel dirty and you hate doing that. Trust Jesus. Maybe it means trusting Jesus when your life is a wreck and you need help, but you're embarrassed to turn toward it. Maybe it means ending a relationship that is not God-honoring because you're afraid of being alone out there at sea, and that's scary. There will come a time when all of us have to go out into the deep water and to let go of that control that we crave so much and just trust Jesus. And when Peter does that, he expects nothing to happen, and then he is overwhelmed by everything. He's overwhelmed by everything. He's overwhelmed where he expects nothing to suddenly be filled up so abundantly beyond any expectation. It's like nothing he's never experienced. He's fished on this lake his entire life and he's never had a catch like this. It's amazing and for him it is frightening. I mean, did you hear the, the scare in his words? It's scary to be in the presence of God who loves you so much that he'll do something beyond words and overwhelm you to get your attention. Just when you think you've seen it all, God will amaze you with a kind of grace and power that is like nothing you've ever experienced. So Peter falls down in the boat at, it says, Jesus' knees. He can't even look up at Jesus. In the presence of someone so powerful and holy, Peter, Simon Peter says, is aware of his weakness, his frailty, his sinfulness. Go away from me. For I am a sinful man, he says to Jesus. He feels so unworthy in the presence of Jesus. And he has scratched out a living fishing on this lake. And now something happens that proves he is not in control. He is not the expert he thought he was. He is not the master of his own world. Being in the presence of the power and the holiness of Jesus will convince you of just that. That you are not your own God and you are not your own maker and that God alone is. And it makes you feel helpless. It makes you aware of who you are deep down. So Peter goes back to the shore with Jesus, and then there's one more ask to Peter from Jesus. Again, it's a little different in this version from Matthew's version, but they go back to the land, and then there is this invitation, come follow me. Put away everything else and come follow me. And one more time, Peter, like all of us, has a chance to say no. He can say no to this invitation to spend the rest of his life 
following Jesus and Jesus' mission. I mean, borrowing this fishing metaphor, Jesus says, look, come follow me, and you'll keep on fishing, you'll keep on throwing your net out, but it will be this net of God's grace that will try to cover as many people as possible. God will use you to throw his net of grace as wide and as far as possible so that as many people that come around you can be caught up and pulled into the kingdom of God. Reel those people in for me, Jesus says to Peter. He can say no. I've got a family. I've got responsibilities. I've got work. I've got all these things that are weighing on me. I can't leave everything and follow you. But he does. He does and he follows wholeheartedly. This is what Jesus is hoping for each one of us. And I don't know where you might be in your walk of faith. And maybe you're like those folks who are just pressing in on Jesus because there's something that is curious and it is new and, and you do know that it speaks to a place deeper inside of you. Maybe you're sort of in that shallow water with Jesus right now in your life and your faith. And, and you know He is speaking soul truths. And He is saying things to you that you, you need to hear and that you know are right. And maybe you're at a place in your faith right now where you have gone out to the deep water because you're in some kind of place where you have to trust in Jesus and Jesus alone. I promise you He will provide. In that place He will provide for you in some abundant way that lets you know that it is the right thing to do to trust Him out there in that deep water. But we all come back to shore at some point. And that last decision to be made is that decision to, to put everything else behind on the priority list and to follow Him no matter what. Maybe that's where you are in your walk of faith today. Maybe you're a long way down, years down the road from that. Wherever you are, this is where we all gather, right here with Jesus. No matter who we are and where we are in our walk of faith, we gather here at this table for communion because... It is the grace of God that meets us at this table. That we are nourished in our curious faith, our infant faith, our fledgling faith, our deep water trust faith, our long walk with Jesus faith. This is where we gain nourishment and sustenance to keep on going, knowing, knowing that Jesus will provide in an abundant and graceful way beyond all expectations. Let us join together around this table receive the grace of God from it. Amen. Well, you know, it's God talking through worship when He doesn't tell you everything that you want to hear. And this morning, as we've been invited by Jesus to go deeper, I couldn't help but hear the wisdom of an old spiritual that goes, wade in the water, wade in the water, wade in the water, children, wade in the water. God's going to trouble the water. This image of going deeper with Christ, and the transformation that happens when he baptizes us with his goodness and his grace. So this morning we have an opportunity to wade a little deeper. And we do that in a lot of different ways. And one of the ways we do so is through the giving of tithes and offerings. By waiting deeper in declaring that Christ is Lord of all of our lives. Not just an hour on Sunday morning, but the totality of who we are and our life in him. And so I invite our ushers to come forward and receive our gifts to God.
You may be seated. Family, we get to gather around this table again to receive the goodness of God that comes to us through the most ingenious way of ever sharing communion in these little bags. So I invite you to get your communion elements out and ready as we prepare to enter within to the presence of God through the sacrament of communion. By the way, this is not like a Presbyterian communion. This is Jesus' table. And he invites all of us to come and be fed with a warm meal of his own love, his very self. So would you join me in prayer? Jesus, every time we come in your presence, oh, it feels like coming home. And so we ask that as your spirit hovers over the surface of these normal elements of bread and juice, transforming them into soul food, into a means of grace that we could not make for ourselves. We ask that that same spirit would be sent forth and would transform the humble places of a home that doesn't have power. A life that is hungry not only for food, but for friendship for consistency. We ask that it would breathe and move into places that are disadvantaged financially or socially. And we ask, Lord, that you would awaken those hearts that have grown cold to you. We boldly come before your throne because you tell us we can and because we know through experience with you You are so faithful, and you honor our seeking of you. And whether we know it or not, you have a lot of children, and you care for all of us in ways that we could never hope or imagine. And so we ask you to, Lord, be our fire, be our warmth, be our comfort, be our strength, and even be the words that we don't even know how to put together to pray by saying together your prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, But deliver us from evil, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Scripture teaches us that on the night that Jesus was betrayed by some of his best friends, he was having dinner with them, and during the course of a meal, he took a piece of bread. He blessed it, and he broke it, and he gave it to his disciples. And he said, take, eat this. This bread is my body, broken for you. Eat of it, all of you, and remember me. And in the same way, Jesus took the cup, saying, this is the cup of the new covenant, sealed in my blood, for the forgiveness of sin. Drink of this and remember me. My friends, every time that we eat this bread and we drink this cup, we indeed remember our Lord and Savior's saving death until he comes again. These are the gifts of God for the people of God. Thanks Thanks be to God. I invite you now to take your little goldfish, and your little cracker, and let us partake of Holy Communion in this way together. Body and blood of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ.
And let us now turn to God in prayer. Lord Jesus, we give you thanks and praise for this moment of shared bread and cup and shared space and time wherever we are gathered. We give you thanks and praise, and we give ourselves to you. Transform us, Lord Jesus, like Simon Peter and James and John, opening our hearts to leave everything and follow you. Enable, equip, and empower us to be faithful disciples, going wherever you call us to go and serving just as you command. Through Christ we pray, and together your people say, Amen. Christian friends now nourished by God and the Holy Spirit, go out into the world to love and serve the Lord and go out to love and serve your neighbor as yourself. And as you go, may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace now and always. Amen. Amen.